But I'm very excited for what God's wanting to do and is doing uh, in 24-7 and doing around the world. Uh, there is such an awakening that's happening in the church around the world um, that actually um, there is a gospel, the true gospel. Uh, it does need to be preached and it actually is centered around Jesus. And he is everything and that when we make him everything and we put him in his rightful place, then everything else flows beautifully. And I believe that God destined and called us not to be saved as individuals, but to be saved as a family and to begin to demonstrate who he is as a family. And so I believe in the days that are ahead, it's not just about a whole handful of individuals being incredibly anointed and doing all what God has called them to do or, or impressing um, with all the signs and wonders and miracles, but I believe it's a family of God demonstrating the body of Christ and Christ uh, and the miracles will flow from the hands and the feet of the body. Amen. So I believe that's what we're moving into. I believe that's what God's wanting to do. I do believe that that's what God's doing and outworking in 24-7 church. And um, I want to share a couple of things of trying to just uh, help us as a congregation to just see some of my thought processes, but also I want to share about our journey a little bit and bring some clarity and some understanding to that as well. So if you'll allow me to do that, just this morning again, the stirrings that were in my heart, just to encourage us and to help us of these pictures and things that God has been stirring for the last two years inside of me is when Jesus died on the cross and he said it's finished, what happened in the temple is that the, the temple curtain was ripped from the top to the bottom. Amen? It was ripped from the top to the bottom to demonstrate something very clear to every single one of us, and that was who ripped it. Right? I don't know if you realize, but that thing was, I don't know, five to eight inches thick, they say. Um, so no man could rip that anyway, but, but the reality was ripped from top to bottom. But for a long time, I believe the church in general thought that the curtain was ripped so that we could enter in. Actually, the curtain was ripped so that God could get out. And every single one of you here today who are born again, the Holy Spirit is inside of you. Every single one of you is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is living inside of you. I was listening to Bill Johnson uh, preach the other day, and he was just saying how the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And the Bible says that God is jealous for the Holy Spirit, for the Spirit. And um, so is there anything that can stop the fellowship of the Father with the Holy Spirit inside every single one of us? Nothing. Nothing can stop that. God wants fellowship with his, his children. But the thing to understand is the revelation that us as kids have got to grab hold of is that we're filled with Holy Spirit. Amen? And guess what? Holy Spirit isn't a lake. Holy Spirit is a river. And he flows out of us. And that's what God's wanting the church to catch and get a revelation is that we are rivers. We are this massive river that God is wanting to flow out of us to demonstrate his goodness and who he is. How many know God? Good. Devil? Bad. Are we all here? Am I going too fast? Okay. God? Good. Good. Good, devil, b -b -b bad, right? I know we sit here as a church going, oh, really? Yeah, really? Because half the time what's attributed to God is because we forget who he actually is in our lives, through our lives, what he wants to do. God wants to do such amazing things. So I want to encourage you this morning that God is good and what he wants to do is incredibly good. Amen. So if you want to just for fun and you've got Bibles or you've got cell phones with Bible apps and you want to turn quickly, just turn quickly to Genesis 22. Just at the end of Genesis, Genesis, Revelations, Genesis 2, Revelations, turn wherever you want to. No, turn to the end of Revelations, the end of Genesis. I've been stuck in Genesis for so long, I think I've got Genesis on my brain, the beginnings. Well, now I've got Revelation, that it's in Revelations. Um, Revelations 22, the end of Genesis does not finish at 22, anyway. Yay, right at the end of Revelations, um, he's just shared a whole bunch of stuff with us, it's so awesome. 
And then verse 20, 20 um, you see, that's why I need my glasses. Actually, this doesn't help that much, actually. No, no, it doesn't. <laughs> he, he who testifies to these things, who's he who testifies to these things? It's Jesus. Surely I am coming soon. And we see John's response is, amen. So be it. Come, Lord Jesus. The one who testifies to all these things is saying to every single one of us this morning, I am coming soon. I know this was written 2,000 years ago. And soon to God and soon to us might be a little different. But the reality is God's declaration to us is I'm coming. And I'm going to be coming soon. And John's declaration back is amen. So be it. And then he goes on to say, come. Lord Jesus, there's an expectation, there's an excitement, there's an urgency in the heart here, and uh, this should be the heart of every single believer. Um, True discipleship trains us to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this world, awaiting our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, that wasn't me being clever, that actually is Scripture. Let me read it again. Live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this world, awaiting our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Found in Titus chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Paul says, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 3, 20. And uh, Paul also says in his final greetings, if you read in 1 Corinthians, the end of the letter, chapter 16, you'll see there, I think it's verse 22, where he talks about, our Lord come, Maranatha, our Lord come. There is a stirring and an excitement written in the word of God about the Lord Jesus, an excitement that he's on his way an excitement that he's coming. And it should be stirring up in every single one of our hearts. This should be the desire of our hearts, the cry of our hearts. My question I asked this morning is, do we as believers eagerly long for Christ's return? The more Christians are caught up in enjoying the good things of this life, and the more they neglect genuine Christian fellowship and their personal relationship with Christ, the less they will long for his return. Let me say that again. The more Christians are caught up in enjoying the good things of this life. Friends, Jesus made this world a good place. Man has messed it up, but man has also tried to get into between our ears to actually start enjoying this place. When actually the reality is God's got something far, far greater for us. And the more I get caught up in enjoying this place, then what happens is I begin to neglect genuine Christian fellowship and my personal relationship with Jesus. And then the less I begin to long for his return. I want to challenge us in a most loving, beautiful, wonderful, smiley face way. And simply say to us, do you long for Jesus Christ? Do you even have a desire that he comes back? Are you scared of him coming back, maybe even? Like, not yet, Lord, I've got some things to sort out. Or not yet, because I need to do this, that, or the other. Because my Bible tells me that there is such a longing in the believers for Christ to return. Because there's so much more for us and to realize that we are sojourners and exiles on this earth. That this is not our home, not our place where our final destination, we actually long for him. Our final destination, friends, is not heaven, it's him. He is our everything, he is our all. We want to divinely be connected in his presence to be with him. We were made to be in his presence. Church was about his presence. The kingdom of God. Romans 14, 17, it's not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is in the Holy Spirit. 
Amen? That's why in heaven, you're never gonna get an opportunity in heaven to say, had a little bit too much of church today, I'm gonna go to the far corner where there's no church and no God, I'm just gonna have a rest. Because in heaven, there's no shadows. The reason, because he's everywhere. See, the Holy Spirit's everywhere inside of you and me. There isn't dark recesses and corners where we have to deal with. Friends, when we catch a revelation of this word, we catch a revelation of how much God loves us and what he is doing in and through our lives. When we get a revelation, the world is desperately crying out, not just for a bunch of signs and wonders and miracles, not for a bunch of super uh, apostles or great men of God doing a bunch of stuff. It's for a group of people that catch the heart of Christ and begin to live like Christ wanted them to live, to begin to display the love, the genuine care and concern for one another, begin to display just how good God is and how we work together and love one another and how everything uh, is for Him. I lose my words. He's everything. Amen? Do we as believers eagerly long for Christ's return? To some extent, the degree to which we long for Christ's return is a measure of the spiritual condition of our lives. I'm saying that with a smile. To some degree. I know you say that kindly. I'm saying it. I'm not saying it. I'm saying it because God's been saying it to me. The degree to which we long for Christ's return is a measure of the spiritual condition of our lives. When I've fallen in love with Him and I love His presence and I know that He's got all of me and I want the kingdom of God to come, which is all of Him, I want His domain to rule and reign in my life. I want to bring the rule and the reign, the domain of God. I I just want to be with the King. And everything else submits to that desire and that longing. Um, and, and it's come, Lord Jesus. The Spirit and the bride say come. It also gives some measure of, of the degree to which we see the world as it really is. The way God sees it. It's a world caught up in sin and rebellion against God and in the power of the evil one. And I begin to see the world the way God sees the world. And I begin to see through his eyes when I begin to see a whole lot of people caught up in sin and rebellion against God and caught up, captivated by the power of the evil one. When I see that, then all I want to do is I want to bring the king. I want to bring his rule and his reign and his dominion into this earth. And God's, the way he's called us to do it is called the church. Not just an individual, but a group of people that have caught his heart, a group of people that are rivers flowing, a group of people that are on fire with the Holy Spirit, the fire of God. Not a fire that consumes in a damaging way, but a fire that consumes in a beautiful way, takes control, takes over. Fires that begin to rest on people's heads as they begin to release the presence and the power and the direct declaration of God. If you flick back to, um, two, more ch- to two chapters back in chapter 19, these are just the thoughts that have been going through my head um, while I'm having my pizza. No, while I'm, I'm uh, just stirring my heart um, in the Lord. It's just in, uh, in, in Revelations 19. Um, if you just read uh, from verse 7 and 8, it says this. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. When I was reading that, what just grabbed me, what jumped out of me is two things and then I had two questions. Um, and I just want to stir up our hearts this morning and say this. The two things that stood out for me in these two verses was one, the bride has made herself ready. 
The bride has made herself ready. I want to challenge us this morning about that statement because this is the revelations and the marriage, the, the, the marriage feast, the Bible, it says, the marriage of the lamb has come and the bride has made herself ready. And I want to stir up your hearts and say, I do believe we're living in end times. I do believe that, that we're on the threshold of the culmination of this age and we're about to enter into the marriage feast. And when we enter into the marriage feast, the bride has made herself ready. And I want to challenge us and ask us a simple question because the bride is not just made up of individuals, it's made up of the church. And is the church making herself ready? It's just a challenge to every single one of us. Or is the church attending meetings on a Sunday to see how it can make their individual lives better, how they can achieve and do and cope and deal with in this world that's fading away, that's passing away, that God's put a time limit on. We're destined for a new earth and a new heaven. Whereas the bride began to make herself ready, the bride. That means an active bride, a bride making herself ready, a bride that's getting ready for Jesus. Not for ourselves, not for our own things, but getting yourself ready for Jesus. Now, I'm not diminishing all the other stuff. Please hear my heart. We live in a world we have to deal with a bunch of stuff. We have to work in different places. We have to earn finances so we can pay stuff and do a whole bunch of stuff. Please hear what I am saying. Don't hear what I'm not saying. What I'm saying is the Bible said the bride made herself ready. A bride makes herself ready for the bridegroom. So there is something in the church's destiny, something in the church's purpose of making herself ready for Christ. Amen. Then it comes to the second one. When the second one says, her clothes are the righteous deeds of the believers. God granted that she could be clothed. Not naked and ashamed, but clothed. And her clothes are the righteous deeds of the saints. Friends, you and I can clothe the bride with what we do. So two questions spring up in my heart. One, are we as the bride making ourselves ready? And two, what kind of clothes is she wearing? And I wanted to sneak in there, is she wearing anything? <laughs> but I thought maybe that's not. Maybe let's just say what kind of clothes is she wearing? Because here's the reality, friends. The reality is God's given us this absolute privilege of adorning the bride with fine linen. You and I have the privilege of adorning the bride with fine linen. And the fine linen is our righteous deeds or acts. Now what God is saying here, friends, is not about what you and I do so we can enter into heaven. This isn't about salvation. We get that, right? We all know we get into heaven because of Jesus Christ. We're not trying to earn or deserve anything. And we believe. We don't just, we don't try and work for something. We just believe of who we really are already. Amen? Believe that you're the bride. Amen. But we have the privilege of adorning the bride, of getting her ready with what we actually do. And I believe this is the end times of where God is calling every single one of us to hear and to hearken and to say, we need to get ourselves ready and we need to adorn ourselves with the things that we do. The church needs to become a highly active, mobile bride. Amen. A church that's not consumed with us, but consumed with adorning the bride. I felt when I was on holiday and just stirring up my heart again, just about Hebrews chapter 11. The famous hall of faith. We look at all those different people. If you just had to shoot to Hebrews 11, well, don't shoot there, but move there. And Hebrews 11, and you just had to read, I think it's around verse 13, you'll see there it says, 
It says, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and have acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles in this earth. Isn't it a powerful thing that when you begin to realize that we are strangers and exiles in this earth, we were not part of this earth. We are in this earth, but not part of it. We were born for something else. We are God's children. When we get that revelation understanding, it was amazing that they reached out and stepped out and did things for him because he's worth it. And when they stepped out and stepped out in faith and began to do things for him, friends, they saw it. They realized that they believed it, friends, but they died even without having received it. But they did it anyway because they did it in faith. Friends, the day that we stop at the point of we will only do in God what we understand, friends, is the day we stop growing. Friends, it's not about just understanding. It's about believing. It's about trusting. It's about faith because we are part of the faith. I want to challenge every single one of us. Says, when was the last time you walked in faith? To believe God, friends. Because I believe sitting in the threshold uh, of looking out into uh, the destiny of 24-7 church, friends, is going to take every single person having a step of faith. And I'm encouraging every single one of you here today as we're looking out to step into something of our destiny and our calling, friends, and we may not never even experience it. But it doesn't matter, friends, I've seen it. And because I've seen it, friends, I'm gonna step out and believe God and trust Him that at the end of the day, I hope I can walk in something of that. But if I don't, friends, I join the hall of faith. Daring to believe God, daring to believe that he is worthy. Daring to trust him, friends, that at the word of the Lord. Nevertheless, friends, that's why I believe as a church, we're stepping into a season of faith. We're stepping into a season of trusting him, friends. Not just following on with the same thing over and over again, friends, but in all these thoughts that I've been stirring this morning, and there's so many other ones I'd love to have shared with you, but just for the sake of of time, um, just to say, friends, that I really believe and I know in my heart that what I felt God speak to us as a church and speak over this church, friends, is not what I would naturally embrace or do. It petrifies me, actually. Because deep down inside, this is what I do. And who wants to risk what they do? But for him. Because I'm a fisherman, friends, and I know how to fish. And I've fished all night. But nevertheless, at your word, I will put the net down again, friends. At the, nevertheless, at the word of the Lord. I'd love to just move into another building. Let's just carry on. Same old, same old. Friends, we have a sound, a unique sound that belongs to this house. I want that sound recorded. I want that sound, not because of my kids, because it's the sound of this body. It's the sound of what we have fought for, for years. And God says, you can't release that sound until your journey, son. There's some things you have to deal with and let go as a congregation, not as an individual. When I was on holiday, I was just praying and saying, Lord, years ago we had lots of money in the bank and we had a whole bunch of people. Why didn't you do this then? And I felt him say to me, go and read the story of Gideon. Judges chapter 7. 32,000 men to take on the Midianites. And he was ready to take on the Midianites. 32,000 men. God says, too many. Got to cut it down. Tell all those that are fearful, you can go home. 22,000, leave. Down to 10,000. I can do that. A little more difficult. 
going to have to be really pumped up. We're going to go to the gym for the next couple of weeks. Learn how to swing that sword, get some stamina. And God says, okay, no, it's still too many. Really? Yeah, just let them go drink from this water here. Okay. All those that go and drink, all those that kneel down, they can go home. Those that cup and bring the water to their mouth, you can keep those. Oh boy, 10,300 left. It says, now we're ready. I'm saying to 24-7, now we're ready. Because it's going to take a step of faith and obedience in God. And I'm saying to you today, as your pastor, and I believe this is what God has spoken and said. And I want to encourage every single one of you to get this right. And I'm saying it recorded. That I am not standing before you and saying, I am for home church. I am not for home church. I'm for the church. And I believe in Sunday meetings and corporate gatherings together. I believe in it. I believe you're meant to do both. I believe that's biblical. I believe that's the Acts church. They gathered together in each other's homes and they went to a, pla- a corporate place of gathering together. But I do believe, friends, that unless the foundations are built right, you will not bring about what God wants to do from just a gathering together on a Sunday. There has to be a change of heart. So I am not saying we are converting or we are changing the way we think now and we are becoming a home church. So please don't, I'm hearing a few little things and I'm just saying, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I believe that there's a season that God wants to do something in every single one of our hearts and change some understanding, shift some things. And uh, hopefully I can get to, I don't even know what the time is. Hopefully I can get to that, just to end with that. Five minutes. What? (laughs) I've got five minutes now. So let me share it like this. I believe that God wants us for a season, and just a season. I I can throw this out and encourage you, whether it was me, just my desperation, I don't know. Only time will tell. But I felt like the Lord say, this next season is going to last until March. Um, If you want a little bit of personal, I turned 55 in March, which is double grace, double portion, double favor. But I just felt like this season, I'm not sure we'll be on the land by March, but I do know that this season, there'll be another season change. But we're moving into a season where I believe God's wanting to to do some things in um, us as a church, in our hearts, in our lives. I believe he wants to establish and grow us so that we can carry something. Because I believe he wants to release the sound. But he wants to release the sound from a family that can sustain and carry that sound. And you can only sustain and carry anything in God with his presence. So... You know, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3 talks about difficult times will come. Do you know that 2 Timothy chapter 3, by the way, you should read it just with a slight change and adjustment and read it as actually he's talking about the church. In these last days, difficult times will come because people will become lovers of themselves and lovers of money. He's talking about the church. In the church, children will be disrespectful to their parents. In the church. You don't have to go to any, you can pick any church and you can go see how disrespectful children are to their parents. It says there'll be a form of godliness devoid of power. And I believe right now we're in a, in a place where God's wanting to establish his authority and his power in the church. And I believe that's the season that we're in that God's wanting to do something. And to do that church is the, I just felt this, that's the way the Lord said it. So the Lord said, Let's break this model mindset of attending somewhere on a Sunday and let's begin to meet together as family, as the body, begin to connect together and let 
the meetings flow out from that. Because I want to encourage you, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that next year, sometime next year, we're going to move on to our piece of land. It's our inheritance. And on that piece of land is not just going to be a building of a church, a big building that we can all attend on a Sunday. It's going to be a meeting place for the church, a meeting place where people can come together and do life together and have fellowship together and have fun together and invite people to come in and, to, and be the river. See, because Acts 20, I think it's verse 35, it says, times of refreshing. It's a, it's, God wants to bring times of refreshing because this world is getting dry and it's needing a serious drink and it's not finding it in other bottles. It's going to find it in the church, which is a big, long, tall drink of Jesus and Holy Spirit. So what we've is we've battled and we can, we can shout and we can fight and we can argue and say, well, it's, it, yeah, these Christians and they say a whole bunch of stuff, it never works or this doesn't happen or this doesn't happen. Well, let's do it the way God wants us to do it. And then let's see, because when you rely on the word of God, friends, the word of the Lord never returns void. Amen. So I believe there's a season, a season of adjustment, a season of change for every single one of us. Um, I believe, um, whether it was just me not a little bit scared to take a full jump um, and just like have home group every week, I don't know. But anyway, I just felt in my heart the Lord was happy that we do every second week we gather together. So we're in the throes now of finalizing our, our place of, of getting together every second week. Um, it's about three kilometers from here, so it's just down the road. Um, I think it's a good place. Um, certainly not, um, it fits in with the, the change that God's doing in our lives. But I also believe that God's wanting to shape and mold us. And I believe as a church, I want to encourage every single one of you to connect in and become part of one of the home groups. Um, I would ultimately, even in the season, not have to lead a home group, but to go around to all the different home groups so that I can just be connecting with everybody. But um, that's also, um, at the at at the moment it's not possible so I'll be leading one of the home groups so at worst come and join my home group amen at best come and join some of the other home groups because um, they're all good they're all a blessing and the young people are already multiplied they're in two home groups already so they're already multiplying amen and I want to encourage everything that you should have done with the Sunday meetings just do with the home groups which is invite people um do some fellowship and life together and all anyway. Otherwise, we're going to be um, adjusting and making those adjustments anyway, so it will help every single one of us. I believe this is incredibly healthy for every single one of you. I believe this move is going to just in, increase your capacity and your health, and uh, you're going to be taken care of way better than you were in the old model. Because I don't believe the old model is biblical anyway, but that's another story. I, I just believe we just, we're trying to follow what the book of Acts does. And I believe it takes care of the people of God. It strengthens the people of God. We stand and we fight together and we will work together. So that brings me to the next little thing that I just will want to land with maybe. And that's just to say this. When we get born again, we are born into a family. Amen. And you don't get to choose your family just like when you're born into your family. Connor never chose court and Casey as his sisters. They never chose him as their brother. But they love him and he loves them because they're a family. Amen? And I believe that's just the simplicity of it. So God brings us together and we get born into this family and now we need to operate as a family. But you might be saying, yeah, but have you seen the family? And um, yeah, I don't think you need to be a Christian long to feel disappointed in the Christian family. Just letting that sink in. So we join families. We didn't choose those families, and then we get disappointed when we look at the families. Why? Because there's understandably quite a high bar, right? An expectation. Hey, this is supposed to be the bride of Christ really I thought I'd feel a lot more welcome a lot more warm a lot more fuzzy I thought, I thought people would be actually a little bit kinder and smile a bit more so what I'm asking you to do today is 
what you need to do is let go of your dream and grab hold of God's dream. Because you see, what we do is we plant into families and we get disappointed and we get hurt and we feel like, well, this doesn't kind of meet my expectations, so maybe I should go find another one. No, you're moving there. Because every single one of us have flaws, weaknesses, hiccups. And the minute you, you move there, it doesn't, it, it's going to wobble. So best we don't wobble, best we just stay where God's planted us, and best we just grow together and love one another, and best we let go of our desires and our thinking, grab hold of His vision. Amen? And make the bride ready. So now begin to think about the bride, not just, amen? There's a scripture for all this, actually. I'm going to come to it. You see, often our disappointments have come from unrealistic expectations. And uh, maybe we came into a church feeling like, well, we wanted this perfect bride, when actually it's still a bride and process, right? She hasn't got her makeup on yet. She's just getting dressed. Um, she hasn't had her hair done. Um, it's kind of like the bride that you marry, not on your wedding day, but the next morning, right? <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> I'm not going to get out of that. I can see it. Okay. Moving on. Or like the, the person that the bride... No, let's not go there. Just forget about it. Okay. So we find that we're work in progress, right? And everywhere is work in progress. So we committed, we called to God to come and do. So here's some of the challenges that, for us as a community of believers. Seven things that I believe over 22 years of being in ministry, these are the seven things that we often face. Number one, I'm not a people person. I'm shy, I don't like to talk, and I stick to myself. Number two, I don't want people to know my life and my secrets. Number three, I don't really like the people. I just like the music and the preaching. I'm very busy. I really don't have time for people. I don't see any value in getting together other than on a Sunday. I don't know anyone in the church. Or number seven, I've been hurt and disappointed by people in the past. Every single one of those things have value and I understand. But none of them are the gospel. And none of them are the heart of Jesus. So I'm encouraging you, maybe you fit into one of those seven somewhere. And I'm saying I understand but we can't leave it at just understanding. We have to go to truth. We have to dare to believe truth. And then we have to take a risk and a step of faith and trust him that this was your plan? Really? Okay. I don't know anyone here, but your plan is that I'm supposed to get to know a whole bunch of people. I'm actually very busy. Uh, it's, I understand the reality is very busyness. Busy. This world is making us more and more busy. It's getting complicated. But that should not stop me from being a family. How many of us cry out in our hearts when we get so busy and that we can't spend time with our kids and it frustrates us and it hurts us and we, we can't, I need to spend time with my kids and I've got to make time. I've got to sort things out. How many of us? I've been there. We desperately try and we want to make time with our kids. Right? It's just the reality of that we're busy, but we want to make time for our kids. It's the same reality in the church. See, the world's made us busy, but deep inside of us, we were created to be a bunch of people that were meant to be making time for the kids. We're meant to be making time for one another. Why? Because the way we overcome is through family. You may be sitting here today, you may be going like, oh no, I just need, I, I need to spend more time doing this, that, and the other. I promise you now, 
that you will overcome. And it'll be far greater for you if you rather listen to truth and to the word of the Lord and how you overcome than, if you, than you try and overcome the way you might think. The way you overcome is actually family. Because I promise you, if we do this right, we sit together. I kind of laughed when I said this to him. He said to me, you know, what do you think you should do at the first home group or whatever and that? And I said, why don't you sit down and say, right, okay, what's your name? I've been in the church for 15, 20 years, doesn't matter. What's your name? My name is Bob. What do you do, Bob? I'm a plumber. Or I'm a builder. Let's just call him a builder. Bob the builder. <laughs> and Bob, how's it going in the building industry? Well, it's tough in the building industry at the moment. Things are tight. The economy is tough. There's not that many opportunities and jobs. So as jobs are scarce, it's difficult. People are becoming very harsh now, whatever, judging you, nailing you, whatever. Okay, Bob, let's gather around Bob. We're going to believe because Bob is not of this world. So we're going to believe that the economy is not going to dictate to Bob. We're going to believe that Bob is going to be a demonstration of the goodness and the grace of God and the work is going to come to him like never before because he's got a favor that surrounds him like a shield. And now we're going to intercede and stand with him and we're going to help Bob be the shining light in the building industry. Amen. Now that's not going to happen on a Sunday. That's going to happen in a home group. Right? Thank you for the enthusiasm. It's really sweet. Woo! Yeah, that's awesome. So I've landed with 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Just, let's just go quickly to 1 Peter chapter, Peter chapter 3, verse 8. We're doing for time, dear Lord Jesus. Nine minutes. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. I, w- I would love to just read everything up to that because it's beautiful about... Um, husbands and wives. But he goes on at the end there to say something very beautiful. Um, I love when um, Peter, Paul, they have this beautiful thing where they, they use these words, finally. But this is in 1 Peter chapter 3. <laughs> and if you check it, 1 Peter, it goes on for another <laughs> a few chapters. So I'm finally, I'm just wrapping this up finally again. <laughs> finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. That's what God's calling us as the people of God to have. This is what he wants for every single one of us. Unity of mind. Unity of mind, you might be sitting here today going, that just sounds very weird. That sounds like looking at a whole big field of of flowers and saying you all need to be yellow. And that's kind of impossible. We all come from different backgrounds. That's asking people that came out of maybe that grew up in a township to somebody who grew up in Santon coming and saying, let's all have the same. It's impossible, right? Can't be impossible because Jesus said we need to have the same mind. How can we have the same mind? We've all been captured by the same person. And his name is Jesus. And when I'm captivated by him, he's become who I am in my life. Everything else. Amen. I can have the same mind when I have him in my heart and in my life. One identity. If we all, all are exiles and sojourners, we're all not of this world. Imagine. Some people have thought I wasn't of this world. But in general, all of us are not of this world. Right? It's very hard. I got you to smile. At least I got Rachel to smile. Okay. So if we're all kind of realize this is not our home, we're all not of this world. We're exiles. We're sojourners. We're already coming closer. Then we're captivated by Jesus. Our language, our talk, our life is all about him. How we can demonstrate him. How we can love him better. How we can do what we need to do in him. How we can clothe ourselves as the bride, right? One Peter chapter four verse eleven. It says, "In everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ." If you have a group of people that just—that's all they want to do. Often disappointment settles over us because we have lost sight of Christ's vision, and we've just snuck in, smuggled in our own vision. So we begin to evaluate our community, our small group, based on how well it meets our perceived needs rather than how well it glorifies Christ. 
See, I told you this would take a step of faith. Because it takes a step of faith when we kind of, our natural is to analyze how this can help me. But actually, how can this help Christ takes faith. So how can we do this thing well? So how can I build together with this group of people that will glorify Christ? Amen? So we just need to remind ourselves of God's vision for us, for our community, 24-7 church. And then we will lay aside personal preferences for Him. The second one, it says, is we need sympathy. Now, sympathy, I know, uh, sympathy is, in modern terms, sympathy is something really cerebral. Uh, as, oh, I had some sympathy for that person. Um, but biblical sympathy is, is not the cerebral sympathy or d- detached sympathy. Oh, shame. No, biblical sim- sympathy, friends, I, I heard this somewhere, and I've, I've loved its illustration. Biblical sympathy is simply this. It's entering into a a person's emotional house, making your way into their living room, and sitting down with them, and experiencing and walking with them and what they're feeling and going through. That's biblical sympathy. Sympathy is being moved by people. That's why the Bible says, when one mourns, we all mourn. When one weeps, we all weep. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. That's biblical sympathy. It is better, Acts 20 says, it's better to give than to receive. It's better to give sympathy to one another than to receive. So sympathy, friends, is being moved. Jesus, in Hebrews 4.15, it says, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. We have a high priest who sympathizes with our weaknesses. And we are called to be like him. To sympathize with each other's weaknesses. Not a sympathy of our shame. A sympathy that climbs in with you and says, let me journey with you. Let me walk with you. Let me help you. Let's do this thing together. Sympathy moves us to action. See, deep sincere sympathy does not come naturally to us. It only comes through Holy Spirit and through Jesus. The third one is brotherly love, my favorite. Because I often get challenged by people that are just sharing with me going like, but listen, you know, you don't understand. Um, I've got a family and the demands of the family, and I've got to time take care of them. And, and, and again, I say, I understand all of that. And God gave it, so it can't be in competition, or it can't be uh, uh, attacking what I'm saying. I just realized that the Bible simply says that we need to have that same love for one another. So not just for our own personal family that, and for the moms here that you gave birth to, but also to the family of God that God gave birth to. The same love, friends, it says brotherly love. The same love that we have for biological family. And just like we don't get to choose our biological family, we don't get to choose the family that God gave us. So I can understand that sometimes we get put into families that are unusual and it's a collective of nutters and strange people and weird people, amen. And, uh, but the Bible tells us to have brotherly love and to love one another, right? You may even say, yeah, but we have very little in common. Well, we have the blood of Jesus in common. And that's enough. Amen? Brotherly love, like all family love, will hurt. Uh, These family members will annoy us, offend us, even wound us. We will be tempted at times to eh, 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 or even to go find another normal family. But we have the opportunity 
at that moment to demonstrate who the church really is. And that's to show brotherly love. A love that crosses all boundaries. A love that's so beautiful. We're born for that kind of love. You could just skip over to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. And I'll just read that to you. Having purified your souls to obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. If you read the context of 1 Peter chapter 1, that's what we were born for. We were born again to love one another. Um, the f- fourth one is te- tender-hearted. Um, I can't, I'm going to go through these very quickly. Just tender-heartedness, friends, is the same word that in the Bible that when Jesus had compassion. Amen? To be tender-hearted, to have compassion uh, for one another. That's to help one another, to be moved in love for one another. Um, because, friends, every single person here is carrying things that they didn't ask for and, and didn't desire, but it's carrying stuff that's happened in their lives. And it takes a tender-heartedness. Not just, I'll listen to you. Oh, okay, thanks very much. Bless you. I'll, I'll pray for you, brother or sister. But no, to listen with tender-heartedness means I'm moved with compassion. Compassion is always re- requires us to respond, requires us to walk, requires us to acknowledge and journey. Uh, and, um, yeah, to, to grow with each other. And the last one has got to do with humility, a humble mind. Um, 1 Peter, if you just quickly again, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. I'll just read that quickly. simply says this, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that at a proper time you may exalt you, casting all your anxieties and cares on Him. No, the verse before that. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility. Our humility as the church should be just as evident as our clothing. Just as you might see and demonstrate a person of what they wear, so it is with humility. So 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 simply says this. It says, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. And I'm saying God's called us as a church to demonstrate and to live that so it can carry what He's about to give us. And I believe something of what he's about to give us is our inheritance and it's on a piece of land just down the road. But I believe it's way more than that. And I believe there's a spiritual thing happening and a natural thing happening. And just as it takes time before you can move into, you have to build the house and establish it. So God is building and establishing something that we're going to be able to move into and to be able to sustain and to carry it. And to sustain and to carry it, we have to be this group, this kind of people. See, the reality is, That even though our community might be a whole bunch of different people and they might disappoint us or hurt us at times, they are destined for glory. Every single one of you are destined for glory and we have the privilege of helping each other get there. You're born again believers. God loves you. You're special in His eyes. And I have the privilege of standing with you and helping you get to the destiny that God has called you to. You see, the church is supposed to display what the kingdom of God looks like. The church isn't the kingdom of God. It's part of the kingdom of God. But its destiny is to display what the kingdom of God looks like. Because what is the kingdom of God? It's the rule and reign of Christ. The church is meant to display it. I believe if we do this right, we will rise up to display what the kingdom of God really looks like. A group of people that love one another, that care for one another, that stand together with one another, a group of people that have such favor on their lives, a group of people that fear God, a group of people that have such a presence and power of God, such authority over their lives, that people actually don't just dare join them. This isn't how you grow to 600 quickly. This is how you sustain the presence and power of God, the love of God, which will draw all men which will draw all people unto Christ. So here's the thing in a nutshell. The thing in a nutshell is simply this. We have a couple of weeks left in this building, and then we move. When we do move, the very first Sunday will be home group Sunday. So the very first Sunday will be where we'll be in people's homes. So I'd love to have finalized everybody in the house as to what home groups you're going to be going to so that we can now take accounts, make sure everybody's fine and everybody's doing well. And, uh, and then that first Sunday, first Sunday of, of October, we're in each other's homes. 
just encouraging, strengthening one another, and then by the, by the within the next week or two, we will finalise the the venue where we're moving to in the second second and fourth week of October. We will be in that venue on a Sunday, um, and it'll be it'll look different. It'll be different to how we do normal church, but we will be different. Uh, and we'll have some fun together, and then we'll grow and develop and see how God what he's wanting to do. And I believe the quicker we yield to him, I don't believe the children of Israel needed to travel around the desert for 40 years. I believe they could have gone straight in. Amen? So I do believe that we can quicken this process. Um, I believe, I believe you, you can quicken things. Jesus said to his own mother, hey, um, it's not my time. And she said, hey, just do whatever he says. Hey, mom, you didn't hear what I said. I said it's not my time. Now just do whatever he tells you. Yes, mom. Hey, I believe he's, dad, we want to move quick. <laughs> We'd like to do this thing fast. Amen. Because I believe God wants to take us into this new season. It's going to be a beautiful season, exciting season. And in all of this, I end with this little one. And I love um, if it stirs your heart or challenges you. I want to encourage you. This isn't a nice move by Grant Lawther so that we can reduce our rental income every single month so that I can increase my salary. Gee, I didn't think of that. That's a great idea. <laughs> the reality is I would love us all to still be as committed and as in as we were before because we were committed and in about the vision and the bigness of God, not about how comfortable chairs and a building and about one of those seven things that we're no longer going to we're going to get challenged by. So I want us to be as committed because I do believe if we're as committed and we give, and I want to encourage every single one of us to pray and ask the Lord if there's anything more that He would like you to do as well and to give. Because I believe if we can have the opportunity, we pay 68,000 Rand rent in this building. We'll probably pay 7,000 Rand in the new, in the new building. 7,000 Rand in the new rental, Okay. If we pay 7,000 Rand and everybody else carries on sticking to their commitment, we can put in 60,000 Rand into the land. If we can put 60,000 Rand into the land, we can stop moving a lot quicker. Um, amen. Let me encourage you and please pray about this. I've got a meeting, it's very important. You can pray about this too. We have an aerial on the land, MTN aerial, it gives us income um, every single month from that rental of that land to MTN. Um, if the bank gives us a loan, um, then the income from the aerial will cover the loan. So there won't even, be a, won't even be a pressure on us. But if it gives us a loan, we can build the first phase. So, so here's my heart. My heart is that we move and we get the first phase going. We build the first phase and, and, um, and, and it's not any pressure onto us. But it doesn't like, oh, that's really nice. Now we can just, no, we need to be more convinced and convicted of the vision that God's given us because we want to get onto the land quicker than later. Amen. We want to get onto the land, not so that we can move into a building, but so that we can begin to do what God's called us to do because we want to start dressing the bride with what we're doing, what we're active with. And we want to release the sound. We want the guys to now have a place where they can actually release that sound, record uh, this so that it can begin to go out and, 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 and to the nations. We want a place where we can gather together, begin to pray, and be purposeful about going to the nations, going to places. We want a place where we can gather together and we can have a LARPA where we can actually bride together and watch the rugby on a big screen TV and, uh, and, 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 and have a swimming pool where we can swim or dunk new believers in and just have fun. Amen. It's a place, a place for the church, a place for the family of God, a place where we can enjoy and love it. Amen. And you know what? I trust that we will be, we'll walk in it and fulfill it and see it and, and, and hand it to the next generation to continue to flourish in it. But even if we don't, we belong to the hall of faith. We belong to Hebrews 11. We're not going to back down. But we're going to believe God and we're going to step into and we're going to trust that he can do this. Because when you step into a place where you can't do it, that's when he works. Amen? The God of the impossible. We've got a little group of people. It's impossible, just this group of people to do this. Yes, thank God that it's God. If it was possible for us, it wouldn't be him. But it's not possible for us, it's possible for him. So let's go do this thing together. Amen. Let's stand. I didn't even use my glasses that much. Gee, that was really impressive. 
I'm healed in Jesus' name. So I just want to encourage you. I know I've spoken a little bit, but I just, I needed to just share this. I just, I trust that every one of you have caught the heart of what we're doing as 24-7 church. I am as excited as I was now as I've ever been. I do believe that I'm building something that God wants to build. And just like every single one of us, I stand before the Lord one day and I'm accountable for what I do. And I promise you as a church, my cry of my heart is to continue the way we were going. I, would, I couldn't. Um, so I don't think we were building what, the way God wanted us to build. So I believe this is beautiful and exciting and wonderful. And, and, so, and I trust that you do. And, and um, if you have any questions or haven't explained something really well, then come and talk to me. I understand I, those seven challenges, I understand just about everybody in this room has, has those challenges. I am sure of it because it's been proven over 22 years. So you might all have those challenges, but I'm asking you today, I'm asking you to go away and pray and say, Lord, um, help me. Um, in that I, I choose you, I choose your way, and I don't believe it will contradict uh, anything of the heart of family. Uh, so I don't believe you'll have to sacrifice your own family. I don't believe you'll have to um, or be all awkward and everything because, yeah, well, I don't even like people. Or I believe Holy Spirit will come and just help every single one of us to just be together, and we will see something achieved way quicker. Can I drop this off very quickly? Last little, very quick train of thought. Do you know that since, since the, the, the world and its wisdom, whatever, and even the church and its wisdom moved away from the Bible in bringing up kids? Because in bringing up kids in the Bible, it does talk about something called a rod. And you can say it's a soft cloth or a, a whatever it is. It is actually... Uh, a, a means of helping with your kids. Since we moved away from that, friends, I believe with all my heart, I've watched family, not only have kids gone left, but the truth is I believe that people today discipline their kids way more because they need way more discipline. Whereas if you just were obedient to the Lord and did what God told you to do, you would have to discipline your kids way less because they would be obedient right? Just being, just doing what God's told you to do is the right way. You have to just make the adjustment. My kids, no, they got hidings when it was legal. Um, my kids got hidings, friends, but my kids do not get half the discipline that a lot of kids get today because the discipline that the kids are getting is not the correct discipline. So they're having to get disciplined all the time. The kids, you and stop this and do that and, and come out, time out, time out. What's this time out nonsense? Please find it in the Bible and come and talk to me. But anyway, it's a side issue. It's not about, it's not, the reality is, friends, when you discipline your kids and you get them into a place, I promise you, they will journey and get need less and less. And God's a God who disciplines his kids, us as kids. But the more we allow him to discipline us correctly, the less and less discipline we need. Amen? So I'm just encouraging every single one of us, let's go back to the word, let's ask the Lord. Let's say, look, we're in our situations, it's challenging and difficult, but instead of us trying to fix it through our own thinking, let's ask the Lord to show us in the word of God how we can do this thing the way God told us to do it, and we can fix it well. And I promise you the way God told every single believer how they fix it is become part of a body. Become part of a family. Begin to love that family. Begin to, to have the same mind, same mind, Jesus, thinking in that family. Begin to be tender-hearted, to have compassion, to have sympathy, to lay down your own agenda and your own preferences, but to work together, stand together, help one another. Humility. Think of others, even though they might all be conky and funny and nutty. Think of them more highly uh, than, than of your, yourself. Just, we're going to do this thing together. I promise you we're going to win. That family is going to see their jobs get blessed going to see them increases. They're going to get favor. We're going to see finances. All kinds of things begin to happen when we do this thing right. What happens is, uh, the contrary to that, is we go, we need less and less church so I can do more and more of trying to deal with my life. Friends, it's not the right way. Amen. Let's trust the Lord that God will show us those things. Amen. But Father, I just thank you now as a group of people. Um, I thank you that you call us family. I thank you that as a father of the house, I counted the absolute privilege to lead these amazing people and this family. I thank you for these kids. They're the best kids in the whole world. And as a father, Lord God, I couldn't have been given a better family. And I love them dearly, Lord. And Father, you know this morning inside of my heart, Lord, my desire is to protect. My desire is to love this family. And Lord, even though I would not have chosen 
to do this or to walk this, Lord God, nevertheless, at thy word, because you are the best father. You are Abba Father. And we yield to you and we say yes to you, Lord. And, and we just ask that you would come, Holy Spirit, and that you would divinely empower and strengthen us and enable us. And Lord, help us with all the questions we might have. Help us where your things might get a little bit awkward or tough, Lord God. Help us to push through. Help us to trust you, to believe you, Lord God. And help us to join together in unity. Where there's unity, God commands a blessing. Pray for unity over this church, Lord God. Unity of mind, unity of heart, unity in all that we're about to embark on and, and do. And I thank you for your blessing over this house, Lord God. I thank you for your favor. I thank you for increase, Lord God. I believe there's going to be an increase coming over this house in people and in finances, Lord God, but in love, in activity, in actions, in a demonstration of the kingdom. Uh, in signs and wonders and miracles and in power and authority in Jesus' name. Bless your people, Lord. I love them, Lord. Pray, Father, that they'd have a great day and a great week in Jesus' name. Amen.